This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. First of all, big dog, bear with me uh, as I try to talk to you today through both uh, held and bated breath and a sick feeling in my stomach that's been lingering since last night uh, when Giannis went mm. down with that, uh, at best, hyperextended knee. Uh, and as we await word to the severity uh, of yeah. that injury, uh, which you know we could get any moment uh, over the next couple hours. So I'll, I'll try to mm. talk to you through that feeling of anxiety that I know you share, that we all, as basketball fans, as fans of these playoffs share, you know, we're all sick and tired of being sick and tired of watching people go down. But tonight, uh, oh. game six is going down. Uh, in LA, between the Clippers and Suns, of course, which we'll we'll dive into the between the line stuff uh, in a little bit. But um, either the Clippers force a Game Seven back in Phoenix, or Chauncey Billups uh, is free to start his new gig as head coach of the Blazers full time after tonight. Uh, he was, of course, introduced yesterday. So I I, I, I want to, if you don't mind, I want to kind of pick up where we left off yesterday's show, talking about the bleep show uh, of a press conference that the Blazers conducted yesterday uh, with Chauncey Billups. And it also, it kind of feels appropriate on a day that the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, overturned the conviction of one Bill Cosby and released him uh, after two years uh, for rape uh, that he served in prison. Figures that we, you know, feels kind of appropriate to start uh, with the ongoing discussion, which we continue to struggle to have. Uh, around sexual assault. Uh, People still have a lot to learn about tone and optics, even if those people are public relations professionals. So um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen it online, uh, but in case you missed it, um, I definitely want to get your reaction to it, Michael. On the other side, I'll I'll put it in some context before I pass it to you, further context before I pass it to you. Uh, Here's yesterday's Portland Trailblazers press conference introducing uh, uh, snippets of yesterday's press conference introducing Chauncey Billups signed a five-year deal fifth year has a team option it's general manager Neil O'Shea who knew him when Billups was a player with the Clippers uh, Chauncey Billups and uh, conspicuous by her absence team owner Jody Allen uh, so here's a little bit of the uh, highlights or lowlights rather uh, from yesterday's press conference along with everybody else in the organization we're aware of and understand the concerns that have been expressed by people um, regarding some serious allegations Chauncey faced in 1997. We took the allegations very seriously and we treated them with the gravity that they deserved. We not only conducted our traditional background check after offering him the position, we also commissioned an independent investigation into the incident in question in 1997. The findings of that incident corroborated Chauncey's recollection of the events that nothing non-consensual happened. We stand by Chauncey, everyone in the organization, and believe he's the right choice to be our head coach and the right choice to be the kind of ambassador in the Portland community everybody here has become accustomed to. There's not a day that 
goes by that I don't think about how every decision that we make could have a profound impact on a person's life. Um, I learned at a very young age as a player, and not only a player, but a, a young man, a young adult, that every decision, you know, every decision has consequences, you know, and that's led to some really, really healthy but tough conversations that I've had to have with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time in 1997, and my daughters uh, about what actually happened and about what they may have to read about me in the news and in the media. But this, this experience has shaped my life in so many different ways. Um, my decision-making, obviously, who I allow to be in my life, um, the friendships and the relationships that I have um, and how I go about them. You know, it's impacted every, every decision that I make. You know, it really has. Um, and it shaped, it shaped me in some unbelievable ways. You said the 1997 incident shaped you in unbelievable ways. Can you maybe elaborate on that and, and how it helped shape you? Jason, we appreciate your question. We've addressed this. Um, it's been asked and answered. So um, happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. So ideally, you don't want your new head coach's first press conference to be his first pressure situation. Um, wow. And dare I say it, Chauncey Billups uh, experienced the first loss. He took his first L as a head coach yesterday through no fault of his own. But before I pass it to you, Michael, just refresh my memory. 1997, when this alleged sexual assault took place, which they, uh, he and Ron Mercer later settled civilly in 2000, um, were you just off the Celtics beat and had just become the columnist at the Boston Globe? Because the Celtics was your covering. beat under Patino. You covered Rick Patino. Covering the team. So you were covering the team. Covering the story. There you go. So, th the so that's another reason why I wanted to start yes. here because this is literally, yep. you, were, you were there when this was going down in Boston in the late 90s, early yeah. 2000s when, when, uh, yeah. when the Celtics drafted Chauncey Billups. So with that, just uh, give me your, your re reaction to what you just heard. Well, uh, first of all, what, what we just heard, let me go back to the, the last... 38 seconds. The public relations official, come on, doing too much, doing too much. You've got to allow him in this situation. This is just the basics. You can't run in. If you say, if Neil O'Shea says we've done our own investigation, it corroborates everything that Chauncey has told us. We're confident that he's the right choice uh, for, for the head coaching position. And then Chauncey says every day, uh, I've learned so many lessons. You got that's a fair question from the reporter. Stay out of the way. Allow him to answer the question. Maybe he answers it beautifully. Maybe he answers it poorly. We don't know because she stepped in, Mike, and really was so aggressive and defensive, which brings us back to the pushback that the Blazers got in the first place for the hiring of Chauncey Billups. Now she makes it look like, I don't know what her motivation was or what she thought she was doing. She makes it look like the Blazers and Chauncey Billups have something to hide. Really terrible job by the Blazers PR department. Just absolutely awful. That's one. Two, I remember when it happened, the story happened in 1997. Chauncey Billups was a rookie, uh, third pick in the draft. And there was, some, there was a lot of conversation about him on the court. So this just tells you how far we've come in 24 years. 
when Chauncey Billups was traded after 51 games into his rookie as a rookie as a Celtic, nobody really made the connection that he was traded because of the allegation. I still don't know if that's what it was. That wasn't the conversation. Conversation at the time was wow. Rick Pitino gave up on his first round pick after 51 games. Mm -hmm. What's going on? Mm -hmm. That that nobody brushed that story. That story uh, it didn't get 2021 attention. But it got pretty good attention at the time for a couple of reasons. Mm. One, high profile guy, <clears throat> high profile organization. Right. And the what's the what's the proper term? Accuser? Uh, the accuser. Yeah. Alleged alleged victim. Time, accuser, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, had a one of the most um, well respected lawyers one of the uh, one of the um, uh, like uh, this is like a historic a historic historic lawyer because she was the her lawyer at the time was the first black woman in Massachusetts to be elected uh, to be selected on the uh, Supreme Court of Massachusetts. Uh, that was the third. Uh, I think that she was selected in 1977. And she was a friend. Margaret Burnham is a very close friend of Angela Davis. So I remember look, I remember the details at that time and saying, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Not only is this a serious allegation. This yeah. person has brought in somebody who's going to get to the bottom of what really happened. Once Chauncey was traded, the story did go down a little bit. Although Ron Mercer stayed with the Celtics. Then Ron Mercer was traded. I think in 1999 right. uh, 98 99 somewhere around there. And the settlement came in 2000. But Mike, let me ask you a question. It was a settlement and then we didn't <clears throat> talk about it anymore. So Billups mm -hmm. plays for several teams after 2000 yep. wins a championship with the Pistons in 2004 plays in the NBA for 18 years. Right. Assistant coach with the Clippers Consummate model team Comment commentator on ESPN. Right. I'm not talking about what happened in 1997 because the only two people who really know what happened in this case the right. only two right chauncey billups and the person who uh who he settled with they know what really happened nobody else really knows right of course i'm not talking about them how about i'm like how about everybody else like what why why wasn't chauncey billups asked this in 2004 2010 2016 he was on our TVs it, so yeah you can listen to him talk about Dame Lillard but you don't want him talking to Dame Lillard like why didn't we have a problem before I, that's what it is I like the way you started this you said as we still learn to talk about sexual assault and rape and sexual misconduct yeah. and all these things I just wonder why in the timeline certain things happen why now yeah, wasn't the question that was asked of yeah. Chauncey Billups yesterday was a perfect question. It was perfectly valid. I have no issue with it. It would have been perfectly valid 10 years ago and 12 yeah. years ago. Why is this coming up now? He's been in the public a eye to that. Right. And, and 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 presumably he has been vetted to some extent by all the organizations that he's been a part of um, since 1997. And in the meantime, like I mentioned, consummate teammate, 
respected throughout the league, played for a number of teams, of course, was finals MVP, won a championship with the Pistons, well-regarded. Um, so there's been plenty of time, you're right, for this conversation. But just as a society, um, this is a day of reckoning on multiple fronts or a, le- a supposed day of reckoning, a moment of reckoning on multiple fronts, whether it's race, gender, sexual assault, Me Too. I mentioned Bill Cosby getting out of prison today. It's just where we are. And people dig up uh, your past in the present and, and want to relitigate the past as much as possible. It's not so much just about the conversation or the question, Michael. It's also about the answer or the conclusion. Because I also, I would add to your, your, you know, your, your rhetorical question, I would add to that, I would say, there's no way of knowing what really happened in 1997. Absent a definitive answer, uh, a, and, and it could, it may not be a definitive answer. It may be the alleged victim's perspective, and it may be the Chauncey Billis perspective. And both sides may believe that they're walking in their truth when it comes to this incident, right? But there's no way of actually knowing. So regardless of what answer you arrive at, at what point is Chauncey Billups, and this is kind of answering your question, at what point is Chauncey Billups unemployable because of what you believe he may have done in 1997? He's gotten several jobs since then. Why is this the job for which this is a problem? And all of this is, this, right. I'm just spitballing here. But my issue, yeah, well, yeah, well, I want to go back to good yes. questions. But I want to go back to, I just want to go back to yesterday's press conference. And Michael, I don't blame the PR official who I understand it was her first rodeo, literally her first rodeo. I believe she's new. It was her first press conference. You and I both know, unless you're Stacey James with the New England Patriots, you're not making unilateral decisions as a PR official. She did what she was more than likely instructed to do which is to shut down additional questioning. And what bothers me so much is that they all missed the moment. This is where, regardless of his guilt or innocence, and I'm inclined to believe he's innocent because that's how it should go, okay? He was never proven guilty. I think think you can believe women and still allow people to have their innocence if not proven guilty in a court of law, okay? You do both. I blame Chauncey Billups. And I definitely blame Neil O'Shea. You're the general manager. You're the head coach. You're the point guard. Let me take their it. response should be should have been hold hold on for a second. Hold on. I got this. I, I hold on. No, 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 no. It's cool. All yep. he asked me to do was elaborate on what I just said. And let's go back I to what Chelsea Billups said because my God, Michael, right. this was a moment. This was a moment missed. This was an opportunity missed. This was a fumble. He said that I led to not a day goes by that I don't reflect on that. And it led to many healthy, tough conversations with my then girlfriend, now wife and my daughters. So do you think in a million years that Chauncey Billups is intimidated more by the people he's looking out in front of and talking to at a press conference as opposed to his wife and daughters? If he is the man of character that you say he is, that you believed him to be when you hired him, that you stuck your neck out for, that you supposedly independently, whatever that means, when you commission an independent investigation, that feels like an oxymoron. But okay, you you investigated him. You feel because it is. (laughs) You feel good about it. You feel good about this man. He can handle it. 
he can handle the pressure. Because if you're telling well, me Mike, the truth is on his side, he should be able to expound on how it changed him. I love everything Chauncey Billups had an opportunity to say yesterday, Michael. Chauncey Billups did nothing wrong yesterday. Neil O'Shea with his take my word for it in 2021 player. We don't take anybody's word for anything. No, no, no. From the president don't on down, we don't take it. anybody's Why? word for anything. Why? And, and Why don't tell me that the information is proprietary. Don't tell me that it's proprietary. Yeah. Okay? The answer yesterday was to be transparent because I fully believe that the Blazers were going to arrive at the answer that Neil O'Shea and by extension Damian Lillard wanted to arrive at, which was to feel good about Chauncey Billups because that's the guy they wanted to hire. Okay? Likewise, the people who are suspicious of Chauncey Billups and don't feel that the 1997 case was properly adjudicated and that he has not that that justice was not administered in the form of, of, of a civil settlement. Those people are never going to come to an answer that they're satisfied with. So you know what you do? Be transparent. And Chauncey Billups is on a road to being transparent. And the organization got in the way. And the reason I know that that was what she was, I, I, I strongly believe, I don't know. The reason I believe that that's what the rookie PR official was instructed to do is because both Chauncey and O'Shea nodded in agreement. Because they, somebody think tanked and somebody workshopped this press conference. It's bad. And decided this is, this is the bad. message we're going to stay bad. on. And when somebody and when somebody followed up with, can you elaborate on what you just said? What you, can you, you elaborate? Hey, what Mike? Come on. What Mike, a screw up. They could have shut consider this thing this. down yesterday to handle it the right way. Chauncey Billups said not a day goes by. Not a day goes by. And then the reporter asked a question and what the Portland Trailblazers said was, but not today. <laughs> not, not today. today. <laughs> not a day goes by. I don't think That's about exactly it. But not said. today, though. We're not going to reflect today. on this today. We're not to mention. Ain't talking hold on, about Michael. Today. Let me say something real quick. Let me, let me say something real quick. Word of advice, because I know people are piling on the PR person. It's, it's a tough first day. If, if it was, in fact, our first day, as I read. Don't ever tell people what's been satisfactorily asked and answered. Okay? No, like, no, not, you're on no, that, that side. That, we're job. on this side. Stay in yeah, let your me do lane, my job. okay? Like, Stay it, it, in your yeah, lane. let us ask our questions yeah. because the worst thing let you can do, do is tell us if something's been properly and sufficiently asked and answered. All that's going to do is, like you said on you top, know, Michael, make it seem like, well, what are you hiding there? Just like you said. Yeah, and here's the other thing. I, 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 you know, as an aside, those who tell you that it's been well-documented, yeah, parts of it. It's been well-documented, parts of yeah. it. But what I'm asking you right now has not been well documented or elaborated on to my satisfaction for this moment right now. But you mentioned all the things you said. I agree with that. You know, Chauncey Billups. It was not a, a good first press conference because as a head coach, you've got to take on tough situations and you've got to make a call. You've got to make a call in the moment. That's what coaching is. Yeah. A quick decision that you got to be confident. This making. is your life, you right, your you story, he, your life, he, yeah, your story, you your reputation, it. and it's now your team. Since it's since it's uh, I'm gonna I'm mix some metaphors here. Since we're in the Stanley Cup final, uh, my hockey heads know out there. He gave us a juicy rebound when he said, "Hey, not a day goes by," and all the things he mentioned. Oh, that's a juicy rebound. Oh, now we're around the net. We're around the net. Okay, we got some action. There are lots of follow-up questions off of that. Then he shut him down. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, Chauncey. Uh, yesterday was Tuesday. Today's Wednesday. 
You're still the head coach of the Portland Trailblazers, I believe. There's still people who have questions about your story. You still have your story. Not a day goes by, including today. Do it again. Do it again. Mm -hmm. Do it right. Hey, listen, guys. He knows, he knows my Rachel first Nichols phone number. Hey, forget about Rachel uh, Nichols. All this, this is a set up. Forget about Rachel Nichols. One -on -one. Run it back. Hey, no, no, no. Forget about a one on one. Because oh, okay. now I'm okay. skeptical oh, of that, too. You. Oh, you're going to go to your friends. Okay. In the all you right. used to work all with right. her. No, no, no. I don't trust her. Okay. Bring yep. it back. Portland okay. media. Portland media. Let's do this the right way. Answer the question so we can move yep. forward amicably, perhaps. It's not too late. Because that, that could have been a teachable moment. People, there's so many people that could have stood to hear what he was going to say. I, hey, let him handle it. You trust him? You believe in him? You did your due diligence? So you claim? Let him handle it. That's right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Obviously, Giannis is there, you know, a big part of, you know, our soul and our fiber, and I'm sure there's the human element where... Um, you know, the concern and care for him is, is real. But, you know, they're in the heat of the battle. They're playing. They're competing. They're trying to get stops, trying to get rebounds, trying to do things, trying to find a way to, to be there for him while he's not able to be on the court. Um, you know, and I'm sure that's what they'll do. We'll take everything as it comes. We'll evaluate it. And um, we've got a heck of a team, a heck of a roster. Um, the guys will be ready to compete and play. Um, you know, that's what it's about. And so... You know, we got a game five. Um, you know, we'll watch the film. We'll prepare. We'll get ready. Uh, the guys love competing. They love playing. That's um, what it's all about. All right. Giannis, knee injury, says Vinny Goodwill, is more proof that this season was never normal. We know that with the 72-game schedule, with the record uh, offseason short, record offseason times of fewest days we've ever had uh, before the start of a regular season and now a playoffs uh, playoff season that has been heartbreaking and body breaking. Absolutely. So Vinny Goodwill big question is this. What's the story for game five with Giannis? Depends on if he plays depends on 
what this hyperextension is, because this hyperextension could be something much greater. Like we've heard uh, that, you know, he's going to have an MRI today. There hasn't been any media availability, at least to my knowledge, not so far uh, for my boot and holes or any players. But there wasn't a sense of, hey, this is just a, a knee twist and Giannis is going to be back. This feels like something that they're going to have to at least prepare to be without him uh, for game five. And this isn't like, you know, the Sacramento, I mean, the Los Angeles Clippers being without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being able to step in. This is kind of different. Like the Milwaukee Bucks are made for Giannis to be a star and for Drew Holiday and for Chris Middleton to be, you know, star supplemental players, but around Giannis in that way. So I'm going to be really curious to see what this looks like. But this is just unfortunate. You can always talk about the playoffs and what they look like. The playoffs always has injuries, you know, but this year, and I don't think it's necessarily just because of COVID in the 72 games. It's just been some freaky things that have happened that have, could have happened to anybody. It just seems like it's just so much and it just comes in waves. And if you look at it now, the best healthy player now is Paul George. Yeah. I mean, is, is my count mm-hmm. right, Vinny? We've seen three people just step on somebody's foot or land on somebody's foot. Kyrie. Giannis last night and Trey Young on the official. I mean, to your point, it's hard to say, oh, this is this is wear and tear. It's just freaky stuff. And, you know, yeah, you're right. There's always injuries, but I'm struggling to remember a season, a postseason in which 10 All-Stars, if Giannis presumably misses a game, 10 All-Stars sideline for at least one game this postseason. That does not include Trey Young, of course, uh, who was not an All-Star. Vinny, I've said this before. You know, one of my... Uh, one of my favorite greetings, you know, some people say can't complain. I like I can't call it. So I like to apply that to, you know, this series because right now the Eastern Conference Finals feels like best of three. And I guess we'll see, you know, obviously the Bucks still have home court, but Trey Young, we thought he'd play game four, didn't play. Hawk step up. I like how you laid out the dynamic for the Bucks because unlike, say, the Clippers or even the, the Nets before they were eliminated, they don't have people who could just trade off being the man. Like, he's the man, and Middleton's, he's going to hate this, Middleton's kind of his Scotty Pippen, right? Um, so, I guess, I guess what, I bet, what I'm I trying to Middleton get at. Think, Middleton might think that's a compliment. Middleton thinks that's a compliment. Exactly. Scotty Pippen doesn't, but Middleton Exactly. Does. But, I mean, you know, for all the stars we've lost, Vinny and Michael, you know, it's, it's, one of, it's almost like if ever there were a postseason that, uh, that, that, spoke to the, the basketball as a team game is this one. So when you look at, I want you to elaborate on this a little bit more. When you look at what the Hawks did without Trey Young last night, even before Giannis got hurt, and what the Bucks would look like without their two-time MVP, if you had to make a call now, which it could change on, look, with, by the day, it could change depending on who else gets hurt. Hell, Clint Capella shouldn't have been in the game when he was. But if you had to make a call right now, how do you see the Eastern Conference uh, Finals? Who do you see coming out of the East based on on the un- very uncertain health of these two players? I can't fix my mouth to say the Atlanta Hawks are going to the NBA Finals. That's that's a bridge <laughs> too far for me, y'all. I'm sorry, but you know I voted Nate McMillan third on my Coach of the Year ballot. So you know there's certainly a, a deep respect for what he's done. Uh, but when you look at yeah. it and you say, okay, if if the Milwaukee Bucks have to play full games without Giannis, where they know going in, we don't have our best player, I think their focus is going to be a little bit different. Uh, I think when you looked at the Atlanta Hawks and you saw Cam Reddish coming out there getting minutes and, 
You saw Lou Williams out there starting and only taking nine shots, but scoring, you know, uh, 21 points, like in a first ever playoff. So like, that's something that's never happened. I don't know if those things can actually duplicate itself. And I'm not sure if Trey Young's deep bone bruise, like we, we say that as if, you know, as long as it's not a broken bone, it's fine. But a deep bone bruise, is nothing to sneeze at. So there's no, I'm not going to operate under the assumption that just because he was the game time decision last night or that he's a game time decision tomorrow, that he's going to be available for the rest of this series. So if that's the case, the next best player or the next two best players with no Giannis and no Trey Young might very well be Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. And if that is the case, and if they know going in that they don't have their guy, they may have just enough is being able to rely on, you know, sort of just the personnel. Because I think they can morph into a different team in different ways more than Atlanta. Atlanta's deep, but I don't think they can turn in themselves into a different team in the way that Milwaukee can. Milwaukee can play tough. They can play small. They can give guys more opportunities like a Middleton. You can, you can force feed. You can feature a Middleton and say, hey, go give me 40 and see what happens. I don't know if Atlanta has that guy that they can say, okay, if no Trey Young is here, take us home. It's going to have to be a win back committee. If they do it, it's impressive. If they do it, I will tip my hat to them, but I can't say that I will put money on them doing that with two of the next three games in Milwaukee. Sounds like you're ready to put your money, though, on the Clippers. Do I hear that? Do I hear a lot of love for the Clippers from Vinny Goodwill? I mean, it's time. Is it time for us to have a conversation about Chris Paul? Are y'all are, are we ready as a family to have a conversation? It depends on the conversation. It depends on the conversation. In this series, in this series. And maybe it's because he had his battle with COVID and we don't know exactly the effects of it, right? Let's let's take that into account and that's nothing to sneeze at. With that said, he's slowing them down. And slowing the Phoenix Suns down against that set Clippers defense works into the Clippers' favor. When they go to change of pace, when they go to change of direction, that throws the Clippers off guard. Because since game one, where Devin Booker had his way with everybody, with 40-point triple-double and everything else, Patrick Beverly has been his chaperone. Patrick Beverly has put him on punishment. And Devin Booker is the guy that put the Lakers out. Devin Booker is the guy that can get his own shot outside of the framework of the offense. Chris Paul can execute your offense as well as it can be executed because he's that smart, that great. But when you get down this late in the playoffs and the other team is making adjustments, you're going to have to do something outside of the offense. You're going to do something outside of the game plan to get you over the hump. I'm not sure that Chris Paul has ever been that player. I damn sure not. I'm damn sure not sure that he can be that at this advanced stage. So if Paul George is the best player remaining, and you got the best coach because Ty Lue is making all the right adjustments. Why not mm-hmm. the Clippers? All right. So they need two, to answer your original question. And to answer, but to answer his, his original question, conversation about Chris Paul, the answer is no, because I ain't trying to hear that personally. That sounded a little too much like Chris Paul criticism for me. And a guy that we just been giving flowers all postseason that was an MVP conversation. Okay, that is the best quarterback in the history of basketball. We are not about to sit up here and say that a team that's still up three two, okay, that oh this is a Chris Paul problem. Even, I ain't even using COVID as an excuse for him. Okay, this ain't a Chris Paul problem. This is a Paul George statement. 
Yeah, like I'm with you on the Paul George part. We were talking about it yesterday. I mean, and, and, and Vinny, actually, maybe you can kind of help us out on this because you're obviously way more ingrained in the daily NBA conversation. But I don't think the focus is what Chris Paul or the Suns aren't doing because, again, they're still up 3-2, okay? They've done enough to get to this point. I think this is about Paul George reminding everybody or those who chose to conveniently forget as they like to get jokes off that he is a superstar player in his own right and wanting to judge him on his, you know, uh, his, his, his mistakes, whether it's dubbing himself playoff P or trying to clown Damian Lillard on social media or even the bubble last year was short-sighted. So for me, it's just more about Chris Paul. But what we were talking about yesterday, Vinny, is just, just how real is the, excuse me, it's more about uh, Paul George. We were talking about yesterday, just how real is the Paul George disrespect and not just these social media streets, but even mainstream media streets, the same mainstream media that a couple of years ago had him third in MVP voting. Oh, by the way. Well, I will say this. Devin Booker got into it with him during the season on the floor. That's not the media. Uh, in the bubble last year, before things got bad, Seth Curry, who I've never seen pop off, was popping off to Paul George in the middle of a playoff series. Those are things that are not media created. Those are things that we actually see and can ask questions on. Mm. Do I think that the Paul George slander has been overstated? Mm, not really. I just think he's been miscast. He's come up short in some situations. The expectations were raised because of what he did in Indiana in 2013 and 14 when he was battling the big three. I think the thing we also forget is that this dude, has his leg turned sideways playing USA basketball. Yes. Come on, bro. And there was no guarantee that he was going to come back and be an all-star level player, let alone a superstar level player. I do think, though, there are some guys who are better fit to be a number one or a number three. That number two doesn't always fit guys because you have to have a certain amount of assertiveness and a certain amount of personality, a certain amount of encouragement that number twos don't usually get. Number twos usually have to be guys that can fit in and can take their opportunities, but have to be almost almost sort of like arrogant enough to feel like they're number one. Paul, I feel like, has to have that encouragement from his teammates. Hey, I don't have a choice but to be a number one. There's nobody else here who can do it. There's no Kawhi Leonard here that can pick up all these extra things. I have to do it all, and I think that's the spot he's in now. If Kawhi Leonard is there he can be a little too easy to slide into the background and not be as assertive. Now, granted, Kawhi Leonard is such a dominant player. I'm not sure how it will work if Paul George were being as assertive and as aggressive as he's being now because it's by necessity compared to maybe him trying to fall into a rhythm there. I think it's a really delicate line that we don't always give players the opportunity to, you know, to grow into. He's playing a point forward here. He's defending. He's trying to score. And – all at the same time, you're figuring out exactly how do I fit into all these different lineups because my coach is using this roster like a Rubik's Cube, and I have to figure out a way on the floor to make his lineups work. I give him a whole lot of credit, but also at the same time, I can also say, Michael Smith, that Chris Paul has a very high and hard ceiling <laughs> as a playmaker because he does everything you expect, right? He makes the reads that you expect. Uh -huh. He makes all the right plays. The problem is the defense knows it too. So do, so do you.
So do you. I love. I, I knew you would get back to it. I, I love it. I, I I knew you would bring it full circle. But what I, what I sense here is confirmation bias. That's all I'm saying. I sense a little bit of confirmation bias on your part. You ain't never bought into the Chris Paul hype, and now this is your opportunity to say, Chris "See, Paul. I told you so." Little bitty ass Chris Paul ain't about to get a team to the NBA Finals. That's that's what yeah, I'm. That's, that's kind of this, what I'm hearing. I'm saying what this he's is. He's a top five. No? He's a top. Got, he's a top. Six seven point guard of all time. How is that not giving Chris Paul his flowers? Because this somehow this Isaiah Thomas is is, is involved in this somehow. Somehow this is a Pistons Isaiah Thomas. Hey, look at look at <laughs> Isaiah. Every time we talk about point guards, as the best Michael player, Howard got to bring up Isaiah Thomas every time. No, that's, they, that's thinking, his one. That's, that's his your one. one. That's your one. That's your Isaiah one. Thomas. How about you? <laughs> it's got nothing hey, to do with listen, me. We got we got. A, before we let you go, though, because uh, we're running up on this break here, man. Yesterday, uh, I think I was a little presumptuous. So I was congratulating you and Detroit basketball. Uh, love the Barry Sanders Techno Bowl shirt, by the way, Techno Super Bowl shirt. I was congratulating you yesterday on getting number one pick in Kay Cunningham. You had jokes, but like, in all seriousness, was I being too presumptuous? I know it's early. I know a lot could happen. Is Kay Cunningham a lock to go number one? No, he's not a lock to go number one. I think he's more likely better than not to go number one. Like, there's nobody with a better than 50% chance. But Jalen Green is someone I think that the Pistons could be very intrigued with. And I think, as much as I like Kay Cunningham, he has a football background. He's played tough. Troy Weaver is from has spent a lot of years in Oklahoma City. You know, Kay Cunningham played there. So he knows, you know, as well as anybody, he knows and does all the background on this guy. Kay Cunningham strikes me as a Grant Hill type of ball player. You open the floor up. Maybe he's not as athletic as a young Grant Hill, but the polish, the all-around play, the leadership, like those are the things that this Pistons franchise needs. Like they've gone through ownership transitions. They've changed buildings. They've gone through regimes, head coaches, more than I can count since the last time they won a playoff game in 2008, a game that I was actually in attendance for, I think May 25th, 2008, when they beat the Celtics in game four of the conference finals when they were like the standard of the Eastern Conference. And since then, it's been barren. But I do believe that this is going to be sort of a resurgence of a like an actual bona fide star type of player. If it's Kay Cunningham, who's going to come in and be able to be, you know, an all-star type of player from the jump. Now, maybe Jalen Green has a higher ceiling because he's a little bit more athletic. So I'm not sure which, which route the Pistons will go. But I do think it's between those two guys. And I do believe that the franchise is going to be relevant. I am happy for my city. I will say that, Michael Smith. Like it. Good stuff. Uh, I'm, happy. Tomorrow, I'm happy for Detroit. You're on tomorrow? Hell yeah, I'm here. You're on tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow, man. Appreciate you. All right, see y'all. All right, Benny. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. 
Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We have to make these guys uncomfortable. And, uh, you know, this time of the year, you can't allow good players to get rhythm. And I thought our pressure was much better uh, tonight, really the first time in this series uh, we've played the, that type of defense and we're capable of doing it. Uh, and I thought tonight uh, we, we, we established our defense and uh, our offense uh, seemed to find its rhythm. All right, so interim coach still, I, I don't understand. Uh, Michael Smith, you said this before. What are the Atlanta Hawks waiting for? He should have a four-year contract right now with a fifth-year coach's option uh, and, and coach in Atlanta as long as he wants getting that team where well, he's got that team so far. I, he really I should. Would, I would, I, before, well, we, before we get to our guy Tom Haberstro, you know, listen, I have no inside information, but the farther and farther they go into postseason, maybe Nate McMillan's doing the waiting. Maybe like the price just going up win by win. And if I take the Hawks to the finals, hey. I'm not agreeing to anything yeah. before we before the season's over. I mean, I, that's what well, I would yeah, do. That's true. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But the, I was I'll just going to say, I'll put the I was skeleton like, of a deal. Yeah. <laughs> put the skeleton of a deal out there. Hey, 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 who knows? Maybe he wants to coach the Orlando Magic. They got two lottery picks. Maybe he wants to coach there. Lower expectations, <laughs> more money. Who knows? Yeah, well, man. he's got um, pocket aces right now, so I think he's going to see this through and see how it goes. But Tom yeah. Haberstro, before you came on, Vinny Goodwill said, I can't fix my mouth to say the Atlanta Hawks are going to the NBA Finals. How about you? Can you say it? We'll talk about injuries, but before we get to injuries, it's Atlanta. Are, how, how far can they go? I mean, they can absolutely go to the finals. It's 2-2. Giannis Antetokounmpo, we don't know the, the severity of his knee injury. The MRI results have not come out yet. But when you're talking about who's going to step up if Giannis misses time, Chris Middleton has really struggled to play outside of that fourth quarter, like supernova fourth quarter in game three, where he looked like Klay Thompson against OKC. This Milwaukee Bucks team is so dependent on Giannis on both ends of the floor that if he's missing time, absolutely the Atlanta Hawks can make it to the finals and make a run here. But every time we feel like we have a good grasp on this playoffs, another star gets injured. Giannis ended Acupo becoming, if he misses time, the 10th all-star this season to miss postseason games due to injury or COVID-related protocols. Um, and that's just ins an insanely high number. 10 All-Stars. The previous high was six. We've talked about it on this show before. And that was when Kyrie Irving was the seventh player. Now we're already at an eight, nine, and possibly 10 here with Giannis. So if we are seeing Trey Young out and you're seeing Lou Williams play like that, okay, Atlanta Hawks might be able to do this. But it, all eyes are on Chris Middleton now because this guy has shot four for 29 from downtown outside of that fourth quarter where he just went off. He's really Ooh. struggled to carry the offense without Chris Middleton, without, without Giannis. He needs to do a better job of getting to efficient shots on the floor. 
But look, Nate McMillan, he said it in that press conference, that pressure that they gave in game four, they got to bring that every time because Chris Middleton is as good of a shot maker, tough shot maker as we have in the league. But man, it's not looking so good right now for the Bucks. So given all the all-stars that have gone down, want to dovetail into something that I, I, I've seen attributed to you. I'd love for you to elaborate on it is that uh, every title since 1950 deserves an asterisk. Is that, is that, is that, is that you? <laughs> That's me. Wow. I did it. Mike, I did a story. Um, I wrote a story going to every single NBA champion to find, to find a reason for them to have an asterisk. And you know what? You can find them. Every single <laughs> champion had a weird injury to yeah. the opponent or a referee scandal or something where it was just these Retirement. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had for like the 50s and the 60s that there are only eight teams in the NBA. So asterisk. Um, so like a lot of these things yeah. where we want to be quick to point the asterisk on a team for winning a championship, I think is just a load of BS. It's so crazy to me that we do this every year. Do you realize that we do this every year with the champion is like asterisk, like Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant get hurt asterisk, like LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade didn't have to face, you know, X, Y, and Z teams, you know, uh, Derek Rose, ACL injury. Like, we do this every year. So if we do this every year, doesn't that kind of negate the whole point of an asterisk is that this happens every single year. So I went through, and went to every single champion and found a reason why there should be an asterisk on that on that uh, champion. And you know what? Like some of them are kind of tongue in cheek, but more often than not, you can point to injuries, whether it's in the regular season or in the postseason, for every champion to have an easy road to the playoffs or at least to the championship. So, look, this year is as bad it's as it's ever exercise. been from an injury standpoint. But Chris Paul, like, if he wins a championship this year. I don't think anybody can put an asterisk on it because this guy has had so much injury, bad luck over his career that I almost think he's somebody else's asterisk coronation. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's full circle. He's been other people's asterisk. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, when you talk about the hamstring injury against the, against the warriors, I mean that yes, Andre Iguodala also injured too in that series, but man, like Chris Paul, he deserves that injury luck more than just about anybody in NBA history to get that elusive championship. So who's going to be your asterisk uh, champion this year? Who's going to be the champion? Right now, it's got to be Phoenix. I mean, you look at what Paul George did in that game. Awesome. But that was like best case Paul George. You can't expect that every time out. And Chris Paul has really struggled with his shot. Uh, Excuse me. He's really struggled with his shot coming back from the COVID protocols. Um, And people want to say this is a break. Like Chris Paul got a break. He shouldn't be uh, struggling this poorly. But Look, when you're in COVID protocols, you're not allowed to do anything. You're not allowed to work out with the team. You're not allowed to work out, period. And so when you're doing uh, a COVID protocol length of time, it's going to take a while before you get back and get your legs back. And so Chris Paul has been a lot, uh, really short on a lot of his jumpers, and his jumper is not working right now in the mid-range even, which is usually a sweet spot. But, man, every year, the best ability is availability. The healthiest teams are usually the ones standing at the end. And right now, as we speak, knock on wood, the Phoenix Suns are the healthiest team going forward with Kawhi Leonard being out for the Clippers, Giannis being out, and Trey Young being out. It's crazy to say this, but Chris Paul's team has the best chance to win the NBA title because of injury, bad luck to the other teams, and they are the healthiest right now. And that's today. 
And what sucks so much about these playoffs is you're right right now. Yesterday that would have been Milwaukee. Even even though DiVincenzo, you know, got her a while back. It, it literally is every day. Another one bites the dust every single day. It's, it's crazy. Um, I got a couple of uh, non-postseason participants at this point uh, whose futures I want to talk to you about. Um, starting with the Warriors, because we talked about this before in terms of the fit um, that James Wiseman is or isn't. Obviously, still a young player, second overall pick last year. But Warriors got two lottery, pick, two lottery picks, I believe, including the seventh pick. And there's been talk about them packaging that seventh pick and Wiseman. I'm sure you've, you know, pro, you're, you, there's the trade machine and then there's Tom Haberstroh's brain. So I'm sure you've got all kind of mach, machinations in your mind about how the Warriors, uh, could, you know, could get back with that, with that Clay Thompson, uh, Draymond Green, Steph Curry core, get back into championship contention. I don't believe they're done competing for championships with that core. What kind of moves have you heard mm-hmm. about? What kinds of move would, moves would you advise them to make with Wiseman and or that seventh pick in the draft? The most interesting name here is Damian Lillard. Can you imagine Damian Lillard and Steph Curry and Clay wait. Thompson <clears throat> and Draymond Green being on the same team? Like, think about that. Think hold about on, that. Though. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, hold on, man. I wasn't. You kind of, kind of came in hot just now. <laughs> oh, well, look, I wasn't if, expecting you. I got to be prepared for that. Damian Lillard going back to the Bay on that team. Oh my God. Wait, I got to. I get. Let me load up my guns. Hold on for a second. Wait a second. Wait a minute. Damian Lillard. Are you serious? Look, when I was when I was talking with Amin El Hassan about trade options for Ben Simmons, we were talking about uh, CJ McCollum being a swap CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, and Amin said to me, "Hey man, that's not enough value for for Ben Simmons. What if Damian Lillard comes onto the market and says like, "Hey, I want out of Portland," and then just a couple m- days later, Chris Haynes drops that report on Yahoo that there might be factors that lead to Damian Lillard wanting out. Um, look. James Wiseman around the league has a very high variance in terms of his trade stock, but you can't tell me that those picks that the, that the Golden State Warriors have plus James Wiseman can't be packaged for a deal for a star player in today's game. Pascal Siakam makes probably the most sense in terms of what caliber a player they can get, but do not sleep on Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green trying to recruit Damian Lillard to the Golden State Warriors. It, it's going to come up to Neil O'Shea, the GM, who's going to say, hey, whatever we got going on here, it's not going to work out. And his, his, his opinion of James Wiseman. But, man, Golden State, I, I firmly believe that they should make a trade using James Wiseman and those picks right now because with all the injuries around the NBA, this is their shot. This is their shot going into next season with Anthony Davis injured this year and LeBron James getting up there in age. This is their chance to cash in on James Wiseman's stock and those picks to get an all-star caliber player. We'll see about the whole Damian Lillard situation. If my head could explode, it would, it would have just now. Yeah, like that was like, I mean, that was that was. My, I mean, look, it, it's a homecoming. If he was ever gonna, if he were ever going to, if Damian Lillard for all of his, you know, I mean, old school loyalty finish what you started if he were ever going to move the story of him going back home you know I know they're in San Francisco now but going back to the Bay Area I, I yeah. that's one that I think would definitely fly speaking of fly I can't even Michael I can't even put wrap my mind around Steph Curry Damian Lillard and Clay Thompson on the same squad well we, we just uh we lost Joe there for a second but oh, well, we'll bring him back yeah I'm assuming I'm assuming we'll get are you, back. are you still there we'll Joe? He's still there. All right. Okay. 
Uh, but you know what, Mike? I was trying. I was going to ask him, and maybe you remember. Do you remember the name of that six-five and under league? <laughs> I can't remember. It was, it was back in the day. There was a six-five and under league, and obviously, the criteria was you know couldn't be over six-five to play in the league. Not for me. So hey, I was with you guys the whole time. Small, that, okay, Stro. You remember the name of that six-five and under league? What was it? What was it called? The World My Basket? High School. No, I don't know. Connecticut hoops uh, yeah, back home school. where I'm from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and mine too. But yeah, our, our center, uh, Terry, Terry Fields, Terry Fields was six, four, our big man. But, um, that's a small team, Stro. You got six, two Lillard. You got six, three Steph. I'll take my chances. You got Clay is... <laughs> Yay. Ma- you Michael, got Clay Michael. what small forward. Michael. That team was the top five defensive team last year. That team was top five defensive team. The reason why they didn't win is because their offense outside of Steph was non-existent. So they got the defensive side taken care of. It's the offense that was really a problem this year. Everything ran through Steph, and they had nothing outside of him. So you throw Klay Thompson in there. Maybe that helps with him coming back from his injuries. But Damian Lillard, where they need help most is on the offensive end of the floor. So we'll see what happens. But I just think that Damian Lillard – with everyone, every exec in the league, I've seen reports of like, hey, this team is preparing trade offers for Damian Lillard. Yeah, yeah, you are. Like every team is going to be getting on the phone and saying like, hey, what's it, what's it going to take? And I know the Golden State Warriors have hung on to James Wiseman and said all the right things about him. But I'm telling you, Stephen Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green, this is their best shot at winning another title. It's this upcoming season. Not in four years when James Wiseman can be that player. Not everyone can be DeAndre Ayton and just developing into this two, three years into the NBA. I still think this is their best chance at winning a championship is trading James Wiseman. I am so glad we talked about this. And look, we've seen him recruit before. We've seen there. I mean, he recruited Kevin Durant once before. That'd be a hell of a turn of events. But, you know, as reportedly Lillard told O'Shea, he needs to see some urgency in free agency. So for him to go from endorsing and being a part of the Chauncey Billups process to, yeah, you know what? Good luck, Chauncey. I'm out to Golden State, no less, would be a heck of a turn of events. But I am intrigued. What you got, Michael? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. I, I just, just thought of something. Is there, is there anybody you wouldn't trade? You might be settling an argument for me. Is there anybody you wouldn't trade Lillard for? Is there a team? You go to a team, uh, you know, obviously you give up Ben Simmons, but let's say Boston, for example. And they say, we want Lillard. We, want, we don't want to give up Jalen Brown. Would you trade Jalen Brown for Lillard? I wouldn't uh, because I don't think that that core would be ready to win a championship yet. If I'm trading for Damian Lillard, I need to make sure that this team can win a championship and maximize Damian Lillard. And Whoa, for no, me, no, no, no. Michael, wait, Jason hold on. Tate, wait. That wasn't. I'm I know sorry, Michael, you put your thumbs up. I know he's got different okay, reasons. Okay, thank you, Michael. I know he's got different reasons. Stro, I know. He was just saying it because Jalen Brown's younger. That's all he was saying was just because he's younger. That was his rationale. I'm like, what is that? Hey, look, he's a younger, younger, like so what? But a younger, <laughs> a younger player on the rise, on the rise. He still hasn't okay. hit his peak. He's a good, I think player. Lillard is at his peak. Lillard's at his peak right now. Fin- finish your thought, though, Stro. I'm sorry. Finish your thought. What yeah, you I'm just, I'm just saying, if, if I'm for a championship. I don't know if that was like a, I was just used like a pawn in one of Michael's arguments. No, no, there, but no, my- I wouldn't. Use, I would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that. Yeah, to you. you were, you were, you were. You were. <laughs> 
I mean, because because if you're if no. you're Boston and you get Damian Lillard, right, and if you're putting Jalen Brown on the table, you're assuming that Jason Tatum and J- and and Damian Lillard can win a championship. I'm just not sure that that is going to be able to happen. The defense they don't have a, they don't have a Draymond Green on that team. They don't. So if you have Dr- Damian Lillard, right. the reason why they've struggled for so many years to get over the hump is that they haven't had a defensive-minded big who can move the ball and create that secondary offense that Draymond does so well. So I'm not. it seems like I'm working for the Warriors here when I say this. I just think Damian Lillard <laughs> has always wanted a Draymond type of player or even a Ben Simmons type of player, a guy who can defend at a high level, all NBA defender, and become that secondary playmaker so he doesn't have to do everything for them distributing the ball. I think it makes so much sense for uh, Damian Lillard to be like, yo, I want Ben Simmons. I want to be playing with Draymond Green. I just don't think the Warriors are willing to part with Draymond Green uh, at this stage of his their championship run because he is such a big part of what they do defensively. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, let's just keep having this hypothetical fun. You mentioned Bill Simmons, uh, Ben Simmons, excuse me, a couple of times. Um, we've seen reports and rumors that uh, the Timberwolves are infatuated with him and maybe a swap for D'Angelo Russell. Uh, what is the best fit for Ben Simmons, assuming that it, you know the, the town of Philadelphia ain't big enough for both him and Joel Embiid anymore? I really think that Daryl Morey, who is so intent on maximizing spacing around Joel Embiid, who is in many ways like James Harden, um, just a, a center version of James Harden, the way he gets to the free throw line, the way that he can dribble the ball and just get past bigs. I think they need to space the floor with as many shooters as possible around uh, Joel Embiid. And so you look around the league, who are the elite scorers and shooters that you can put around Joel Embiid? We said it before, C.J. McCollum. Like, C.J. McCollum is as good of a knockdown shooter as you're going to find in the league. And people don't think of him as a household name because he's in Portland and he's playing next to Damian Lillard. But I think a deal structured around C.J. McCollum uh, could be the best destination for Ben Simmons because he can start from scratch in Portland, right, and be that 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 presence out there with next to Damian Lillard. But C.J. McCollum, he's as good of a shooter. Before he got injured this year, as good of an offensive player as you'll find in the league before he got hurt this year, statistically speaking. And so I think Ben Simmons for C.J. McCollum, a deal like that, could be ideal for Daryl Morey in terms of the fit around Joel Embiid and the shooting that he would provide. So I think that's a really interesting destination for him. Any small market team is going to want to get Ben Simmons on their team because they're just never going to get a player of that caliber in free agency. Yeah. Hey, man, every time we talk, you, you always blow my mind with something. Now you got this 2K team you got in the back of, in my head. Now I got to go tell my son to figure out a way to get Lillard, Steph, and, and Clay on the same team, see what that looks yeah. like in 2K or something. I'm That's just trying to see how that works. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, not <laughs> well for the opposition. <laughs> I appreciate it, Stro. Keep up the great work, man. Thank you. Thanks, fellas. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Hey Mike, before you before you get started, let me just let me just make a quick aside. Uh, a quick observation. You know, you say there's no place I'd rather be than with you, right? You know how people say that? Uh, nothing I'd rather be doing than right, talking right, right. to you right now. Uh, I know some place you don't want to be right now unless you unless you got time, as the kids say. You don't want to be on Twitter. The number one trending topic right now is Bill Cosby. Um, and I, I saw a couple hours ago, Felicia Rashad tweeted, finally, Ooh. a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. Whoa. We got, we got argue. We, we got argue today. We are. They, I think they argue in the day. Ooh. They are. They arguing in, in the, uh, uh, oof. This is going to be one of those days. This is one of those days has been unfolding all day. Uh, by the way, conviction, just, just See, for clarification, and I don't know how far, I don't even know how far you want to go with this conversation, but just for clarification for those who have been well, under a rock I, I think today. We, I was, think we should go there. I think we should sure, go there. He was not, Bill Cosby was not released uh, because some evidence uh, emerged that exonerated right. him. He was released on a court right. technicality. Uh, a, a previous Absolutely. arrangement of, of some kind. I'm, I'm, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on TV. A uh, previous arrangement with a prosecutor. So this was this was literally a get out of jail free card. Um, it was not mm-hmm. a situation where uh, he was wrongfully accused. So this is obviously got everybody's attention. First through a higher profile sexual assault case in the Me Too era was always a very polarizing case um, for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those days. Uh, but I mean, but go right ahead if you if you have thoughts. You on, uh, on no, no, I do. And you know, Mike, it's just so perfect. It's so perfect that you started the show this way. You said, "Look, uh, we're still learning to talk about this," and as we learn to talk about it and study people's reactions, we find a lot of um, alarming is too much of a cliche. It's not alarming. I'd say it's it's. Dare I say, fascinating. And I know it's a very serious subject, so it, it, this is not something, oh, I'm, I'm just not here for your fascination, observer. This is my life. I get that. What I'm saying is just fascinating yeah. study into human behavior and human reactions. So there are people who have a hard time separating Bill Cosby from Heathcliff Huxtable. And as crazy as 100%. that sounds... That's a real thing. Now, Felicia Rashad knows Bill Cosby because and, and she's able to separate, uh, you know, from Claire to Felicia Rashad, Rashad and Bill Cosby, the Heathcliff Huxtable. But it's almost like, Mike, I wonder, what are you looking at? Felicia, what are you? Are you just looking this at your six, relationship? What is What's Cosby? the number? Is the number saying, 60 women? Is it 60 oh, women so was many people. Was it, was it 60? There's so many stories. Something like that. And is it just yeah. my friend Bill Cosby couldn't do that? Is it Heathcliff Huxtable couldn't do that? Or is it just like, yeah. I've been in the public eye and there are a lot of haters out there. I don't know what it is. It's just really strange <sighs> to hear somebody say these things, a miscarriage of justice. I expect it from his wife. I do. I, I get it. She's been very passionate. She's been emphatic uh, that Bill Cosby has been treated poorly. But I'm really surprised to hear that from Felicia Rashad. That's one. Then two, I'm glad you pointed out clarification. And I have some questions on this. Even though it's a clarification, it, it leads to other questions. 
that he was, apparently there was an arrangement, there was an agreement between a prosecutor and Bill Cosby. And so was this a trade? Cosby gives his testimony that he would not serve any kind of prison time. But that was in 2018. Why are we just hearing about this in 2021? Was it just, hey, just looking through some court records? How do we come to this? How do we come to this revelation three years later? And just because we came to this uh, revelation, does that mean that everything else that people have experienced, does that mean that that's invalid based on that? Based on that agreement? It's really confusing to me. It's funny. um, The other day, remember I was at home a couple weekends ago with uh, with Mason and Maya and Sarah was out of state uh, in Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact, yeah, out of state uh, with Savannah at a basketball tournament. And I was talking about just I was just trying to get to get to Sunday when she got back, you know, like I was trying to make sure they were uninjured. They were fed, you know, make sure they were clean, you know, just try to keep just just try to manage as best I can. And you got to understand. Uh, for me, growing up the grandson uh, of, of, a, of a Southern Baptist pastor um, that there were certain types of shows and movies that would not be watched in my grandparents house. Um, we had to watch fam- We had to watch stuff that was acceptable to their ears, you know, or, they, or that they found to be acceptable to our ears. When I wanted to sneak and watch Eddie Murphy raw, I had to watch that at my mama house after hours or whatever. If I wanted to watch Richard Pryor, that was that was at my mama's house, my grandparents' house. It was Sinbad and it was Bill Cosby. And one of the greatest stand-up performances I've ever seen is Bill Cosby himself. And so even since I've watched it so many times, we had the VHS. When I was home with my kids and when we were talking about it on the show, I wanted to reference Dad is great. Give us the chocolate cake. I want to reference that from Bill Cosby himself. But I was like, damn, is it you know it's the same with R. Kelly. Like can't play R. Kelly no matter how much we like to step in the name of love. You know, we can't, I can't bring up Bill Cosby. It's just still too soon, right? So that's right. That thing you talked about with the Heathcliff Huxtable, Bill Cosby is, it, thing is part of it. But also it is how often black men, black people are denied justice in this country to where, especially when it comes to black men and matters of rape and sexual assault. We talked about this when it came to Deshaun Watson how we center, we don't center the victim. It immediately becomes, here's another setup involving the black man, taking down a a black man. You know, the the man is setting up another brother, right? Which happens a lot, which happens a lot, okay? We just literally, we recognize the hundredth, you know, a hundred years since the Tulsa massacre, which in part was sparked by a white woman lying on a black man. Like it it happens throughout history and it has happened a lot. However, believe women. Okay. And just like we talked about Phil Jackson yesterday. And I said, I would never say what a white man is capable of or not capable of when it comes to being a racist. Let me expand that because that goes across the board. I will never say what any man is incapable of when it comes to matters of gender and sex and power and misogyny. So just because he was America's dad 
doesn't mean yeah. that he was not a rapist. And I think the issue with people struggling to to separate the image of Bill Cosby. Man, I look, man, me and my dad, let me tell you something. Me and my dad drove to Philadelphia to register me at Temple University. I know nothing about Temple University other than John Cheney and Bill Cosby. That's why I was Bill going Cosby, to Temple. Yeah. Okay? Let's, 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 let's put this into context what this man meant to America. I think, and, and insert celebrity here. Pick one. I think the issue is that people struggle to imagine somebody that they've built up in their minds to be a certain person. They struggle to imagine because we look, people think rape is ski mask, holding down. They, they think Jodie Foster, the accused. They think it is like, it is, it is, yeah, it, yeah. Is, it yeah, is, it is, right. it is a, a right. monster dressed a certain way with a limp, you know, with a ski mask on. They think they got to fit a profile. So it's hard to imagine this wholesome person that is a role model in so many other aspects. We, I can't take her word against his word. That credibility really is the limitations of our imagination, which is why when people say, well, why does it take video or why does it take pictures or why, why, why do you have to see it to believe it? That's why so many people have to see it to believe women because they can't picture in their own mind. Heathcliff Huxtable right. using Spanish fly to drug women and commit rape. No matter how many women come yeah. forward with credible evidence, even though it's, it's, it's hard for them to marry those it's, things, you know, and, and it's so not, it's, it's, it's it just character. creates a mess. It creates a mess. He's, yes. Heathcliff yeah. Huxtable was a character. And, 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 and even as, as wholesome as Bill Cosby himself was, that's special. I watched it too. And I'm sure I, there was I, something I, I in there. I'm missing. Grandpa- I can see your is grandparents. Is that something that he said in there? No, not really. I don't think so. Okay. But I can okay. see and hear your grandparents because I, I can see and hear mine because they revered Bill Cosby because he's a man who was able to do comedy without cursing. And without same cussing. thing with Sinbad. Same oh, Sinbad. They, 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 yep. Yeah, same thing. So. But at, Bill Cosby himself, as wholesome as that that special was, and as funny as it was, you know, children have brain damage. I tell them to do something, they do the opposite. Okay, got the whole thing. Got it. Yeah. Still a character. That's Bill yeah. Cosby playing a character, an exaggeration of like which which most comics do. It's like that's not who they are, and, I, and I'm not judging them for that. It's like it's a performance. So we can't separate the performer, Bill Cosby, from the man. There's a lot of people can't. And that's that's part of the issue here. Do you want to talk about America's dad? It is it is that beyond. For those who don't know, like Bill Cosby was huge. Even before the Cosby show. You know, the first the, the list of first. You know, he was the, you know, one oh, of yeah. the first African Americans to star in his own show yeah. on mainstream television. Yeah. You know, Bill Cosby yeah. had his records. The way Bill Cosby presented himself, yep. not only did he do stand up, he do stand ups in these well tailored suits, and he just had he had a way right. of speaking to everybody, making the the specific universal. Bill Cosby put out right. books on Parenthood, 
People listened to him. People trusted Bill Cosby. And so I I think that it's really hard to get me to untangle that. And then there's there are some people who believe it, Mike. Yeah, I'll just say the the last point I'll make on this is we see Bill Cosby here. I don't know if dot. I don't know if the word doddering is too strong, but I'll use it. You see Bill Cosby knowing that he is in his 80s. Yeah. And there's the people who believe it and they say, but still, why? Why are you doing this to him? Why are you putting this man in prison at this age? And I just don't think that's for us to say. That's not for us to say. He, if he did what many people claim that he did, many people testify and swear that he did, then you got to hold him accountable for his actions, whether he's 50 you said or untangled. 80 or 90. I love, I, I, I'll say this as we go to break and we get back to, uh, we, get, we get back to our, uh, our esteemed company. Um, before we go to break, I'll say this. Uh, you said untangled. Do you ever have to clean up the house and you got um, several rooms that need cleaning and you're cleaning yes. the bathroom? You can't clean the bathroom and the kitchen Every at the day. same time. You know? Right. Right. So, America, we cannot multitask. And because this country has so many lingering, unresolved um, issues, for lack of a better word, when it comes to race, it's like that mess makes the attempt at evolving and growing and get and bettering ourselves when it comes to gender and misogyny. That makes that impossible to clean that up while we still got this mess over here because right. they end up intersecting. Right. What I'm saying is we have such a hard time just within the black community holding our own accountable, holding black men accountable when it comes to black women or women in general. You know, so right. Um, right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like I said, it's a mess. Um, you know, the, the conversation is still messy. It's uncomfortable, but we got to have it and we got to tr- continue to try to get better when it comes to believing women, supporting survivors. Uh, and like you said, holding, holding uh, ourselves accountable. Um, and, and as we talked about at the top with Chauncey Billups, sometimes the people around us won't allow the process for whatever reason <laughs> to hold, to hold uh, men accountable. Right. And listen, Chauncey Billups may be innocent. I don't, I don't know, but again, to bring it full circle, that was a moment missed because from a public relations standpoint, that organization was scared. Hell, where was Jody Allen? Where was Jody Allen? I'd love to see her yesterday. Just going back to the Clippers thing. But anyway, uh, we got the legend David Aldridge coming up. So we uh, get back into some more hoops on the other side. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
All right, here's the latest uh, tweet from Adrian Wozorowski. Uh, he's attributing it this. He's got this with Zach Lowe. He says, there's no structural damage to Giannis's left knee after his awkward landing last night in Atlanta. Ligaments are sound. Sources tell Woj and Zach Lowe. Timetable to return is unclear. That's a big uh, That's a big tweet right there because we're in game four. The series is tied at two between the Bucks and the Hawks. Helping us make sense of this all is a man I grew up reading and watching. <laughs> David Aldridge. And David, uh, Michael Smith is going to join us soon. Having a little technical issue right now, but we'll work that out. But first of all, man, thanks for joining brother from another. I know Michael would say how happy he is to see you. And I'm going to speak for both of us, man. It's a thrill to have you on the show. Well, I, I thank you, Michael. And, and uh, I wish whoever canceled at the last minute that necessitated you to call me, I hope they get better soon. That's what I'm hoping and that they feel better. Echinacea is great this time of year. Makes you feel healthy. So Godspeed. No, no chance, man. Listen, we, we wait outside. It's like, it's like waiting for the concert the night before, man. We wait outside the Aldridge residence just for uh, some of the pearls of wisdom. But let me ask you this, man. Seriously, what, what do you think this news means that, that Giannis has no structural damage? Uh, what does it mean for Giannis? Uh, what does it mean for the series? Well, second question first. Look, I, uh, it's hard to see Giannis, if he, even if he is somehow able to come back and play in one of the last three games of this series, being able to play for very long or very effectively. Um, a hyperextension normally is a couple of weeks minimum. Uh, usually during the regular season, he would be out a couple of weeks. Um, it depends on the severity of it. Um, so even if there's no structural damage, that does not mean that he's going to be, you know, 100% in three days. That's just not how this works. Um, the good news for the Bucs, and I think that it's significant, is that, you know, he'll be ready next year if they, if they you know, no matter what happens the rest of these playoffs. But I don't see him being a factor or an effective factor for Milwaukee going forward in this series uh, or in the finals, to be honest with you. Um, so that's going to be difficult. Uh, not impossible for Milwaukee. They've got two Olympians, in Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Um, they've got some outstanding role players. But you can't lose Giannis and not feel it. They're going to have to find another way to win a game against uh, a hungry Atlanta team. And it doesn't mean they can't. They're going to have two of their last three games at home. So it's possible. Uh, but it's their margin for error, Michael, is a lot smaller, obviously, without Giannis. You know, it's interesting what you said. You said it probably intentionally. You, David Aldridge, you didn't misspeak on this. You said <laughs> it's going to be difficult for Milwaukee in the especially in the finals. So do you have Milwaukee going to the finals despite this injury to Giannis? Well, I mean, I I did before he got hurt, certainly. Um now we don't know what Trey Young's situation status effectiveness will be either. And that will clearly main be a major factor going forward for the Hawks the rest of this series. Um but I do believe in home court advantage this time of year and especially um, when you're talking about two teams that have not been in this position much um, the last few years, decades, whatever, um, this is not the Warriors or, or LeBron's Lakers teams or Heat teams that have been in a million playoff games on the road. They know what to expect, and they don't. It, it's not a big deal for them to go on the road and win a game. Neither of these teams have been in the conference finals for a very long time, and 
and Atlanta is still a young team, relatively speaking. So I do think that the Bucks having two serves of their, on their racket at home it could be significant uh, the rest of the way in this series. If we, if we allow that Giannis and Trey Young cancel each other out by not being at anywhere near 100% going forward. David, we were talking an hour ago about Nate McMillan and what his options are. I said, hey, the Atlanta <laughs> Hawks should just give him a contract extension now. And Michael Smith and Tom Haberstroh said, well, wait a minute. If you're Nate McMillan, <laughs> maybe you don't want a job right now because you don't know how far this thing is going to go. What do you think is going to happen with McMillan? Does he stay with Atlanta or there's still a couple openings, Washington, Orlando. Does he take another job somewhere else? I would be surprised if he went anywhere else. You know, there's, there's only a couple of openings left. You mentioned Washington and Orlando. Neither of those teams is anywhere close to being as interesting and as talented as Atlanta is right now um, with a superstar in Trey Young. New Orleans is there and, you know, New Orleans has its own kind of issues. They do have Zion Williamson, so they do have Brandon Ingram. So, I mean, they've got some really talented guys. But if I'm Nate McMillan, I'm not really looking to go anywhere else. I kind of like what, what's happened in Atlanta. They, they bought into what he wants to do. They, they play. They've raised their level. Um, they've got a really high ceiling when you think about the fact that DeAndre Hunter hasn't played at all. Cam Red has just started playing the other night. Um, so two of the guys that would be in the rotation normally haven't even played really in this series or in the playoffs for, for very much. And so they've got a lot of ceiling, you know. And so to me, I don't see any other job out there that has the ceiling that the Hawks have right now if I'm Nate McMillan. And I have the, the extra um, evidence that they did respond to my coaching. You know, they didn't tune them out. They didn't say you're an old man, your ideas are old and lame, and we don't want to listen to you. No, they, they played. They played better. They played. They started winning games in the fourth quarter. They were losing a ton of games um, earlier this season in the fourth quarter. They could not win a game down the stretch. Uh, and all of a sudden, they're winning close games under Nate McMillan. So, yeah, I, I would take I, – I would – now, I'd ask for my money <laughs> if I'm Nate McMillan. <laughs> That's right. And I would have gotten normally. That's right. Listen. But I would hey, stay with it. Hey, <laughs> And maybe throw an extra year or two on the contract, too. Exactly. Like, now that I got your attention, uh, you know, let, right. me, let me set myself up here for the rest <laughs> of my coaching career. There, there's a lot of coaching news out there. There's some that has happened and some that hasn't happened. I, I've heard mm-hmm. people talk about, hey, how many times does Becky Hammond have to be a finalist for a job? She's been an assistant to Greg Popovich for eight years. Still no head coaching opportunity. And not mm-hmm. just Becky. Are, are there any other candidates out there who don't have a job yet that you look at and say, wow, they probably should be a head coach right now. Well, sure. I mean, there's any number of, of guys out there that I think are certainly head coaching material. If you're talking about guys that have not been head coaches before, I certainly think about Sam Cassell, who was in Philly with Doc Rivers this last year, I was with him at the Clippers the last couple of years, you know, and has been making himself ready to be a head coach in this league for a very long time. I think Dave Vanderpool in, in Minnesota is another guy that certainly could be a head coach, um, has paid his dues in Portland and Minnesota. Darvin Ham, who's on Milwaukee's bench, Charles Lee, who's also on Milwaukee's bench, have done, you know, excellent jobs with the Bucks in terms of player development over the last few years. And Charles Lee is a, is a strong candidate in both New Orleans and in Orlando. So, um, you know, there, there's lots of people out there and, and, 
guys like Kenny Atkinson who's with the Clippers now was with Brooklyn. Certainly Kenny Atkinson deserves another shot. I mean, he did, I thought he did a great job in Brooklyn under very difficult circumstances. And while I understand why Brooklyn moved on from him from their standpoint, I still thought it was somewhat unfair to ask him to coach this team while it was, while you were cycling players in and out. And then when you get the blue chip players, you send them packing. I get it. That's that's life in the big city. But I think Kenny Atkins is a damn good coach and deserves another shot somewhere. You know, we, we're talking about coaching and the Clippers, and you mentioned Kenny Atkinson and Cassell was there last year with Doc. Yeah. Another guy who's still with the Clippers is Chauncey Billups. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Uh, unfortunate uh, press conference performance. Yeah. And, and just from a from optic standpoint, you know, you've okay. talked with Chauncey Billups many times. I have too. Uh, he's mm-hmm. capable of handling himself, and it seems like he was inclined to do that yesterday before they stopped it. What yeah. What are your just thoughts about him as a head coach and how this is being handled, this big story is being handled yeah. PR-wise? All right, so we got to, you know, decouple a couple of things here. Chauncey Billups as a basketball coach and nothing else, I think will do a very good job. I think he is uh, – smart. He is very, he's a great communicator. I think as a player, as a point guard, you have to be a communicator. You have to talk. He's very good at that. I think he's a good teacher. I think he will challenge guys when they need to be challenged. I think he'll also be um, able to kind of, you know, nurture them and make especially young players and help them get better. So as a coach, as a head coach in the NBA, I think Chauncey will do very well. I don't think they did well at all in that press conference. I don't know how you can't have some inkling about what the subject matter is going to be in that press conference. And you have to have better answers than the ones they gave. Um, it's not that they, it's not that they were lying. It's that they weren't, they weren't, uh, they didn't seem to understand. Take my word for it is not acceptable these days. <laughs> That's just not, it's not, it's not an acceptable <laughs> right, answer. Right. <laughs> You know, people are not going to listen to that. Um, You know, so that was poorly handled. I agree with you. I think Chauncey could have handled it. Um, I think we all understand that in the situations like this, the questions are going to be inelegant. The questions are not going to be razor sharp. Uh, I don't expect the answers to be razor sharp. It's a very difficult subject to discuss nor do I particularly care what Chauncey Billups learned about this because this isn't about Chauncey Billups. This is about this young woman. And so I think we could all have that uncomfortable conversation. Like you guys were talking about a few minutes ago. It's okay to have uncomfortable conversations. That's okay. It's how we get better. Um, and it would have been a teaching moment to have that uncomfortable conversation in public instead of hiding behind what well, we've answered that question, we're going to move on, which is just a nonsense answer. That's just a ridiculous answer. And, and it's not worthy of the subject matter. And it's not fair to Chauncey Billups, who now will have this, have to deal with this at some point for a while, instead of having discussed it openly and honestly and giving people something to think about going forward. Well, look, you've covered the NBA uh, longer than I have. And so I'm I'm just wondering why we're, why we're having the conversation now, you know, it happened in 1997. Yeah. I'm I'm saying for him, it's, it's important. It's important for, for the victim, the alleged victim. Yes. It's always, it's an Mm -hmm. everyday thing. I'm talking about us as, as commentators, as observers, as fans, 
Chauncey Billups has, has been out there. He's been available for interviews. Yes. He, he's been available for interviews, David, without somebody saying, that's it. <laughs> Get out of the way. Yeah. He could have asked yeah. him this. Yes. That's right. Anytime. Yeah. Why, why do you think it took 24 years to have this uncomfortable conversation? Fair question. And I will, you know, acknowledge that this has not been front of mind to me when I've talked to Chauncey Billups. And that's my fault. Um, that's something that I should have been more cognizant of. The fact that the case was settled and, and no charges were filed does not mean that, you know, it's not, you can't talk about it. You can't at least ask him about it. And honestly, I, it's just something that I had not thought about in a very long time, to be honest with you. Um, and that's on me and it's on other reporters who've had the opportunity to talk to Chauncey over the years. And we haven't, we haven't asked them that. And, and it's, so if, if we are guilty of not doing that, I have to wear that. I have to, I have to accept that. Um, that's not, hey, listen. you know, it's hey, not hey, what, David, it, I, yes. I'll, I'll, I'll wear it with you. I'll wear it with you yeah, because yeah, as I, I mean, told I Michael Smith earlier, sure. Yeah. As I as I told him earlier, I was covering the Celtics in 1997, so I remember the story yeah. very well. And I remember Chauncey being traded initially to Toronto. I saw him when he came back with Minnesota over the years, Detroit, but and, and had many interactions with him, sure. but didn't but didn't go back to it. So it was really, yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a it was a different time, really, in that sure. we talked about the story. But it's not like we kept going back to it. And so now it's right. coming up when there are many opportunities to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a different time, but that doesn't absolve, you know, reporters like myself right. for not, not having any conversations with them about it. It's not that you have to like have, right. that have to be every conversation, but it, it should have been one conversation or two. And that's on us. That's on us as reporters. That's why diversity matters. That's why having different viewpoints matters. Um, but absolutely. It's, it, you know, going forward, we I think we all understand that we have to have these uncomfortable conversations. And Michael mentioned, you know, Jody Allen owns the team now. It's her team. She's got to say something about this. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, it may be uncomfortable. It may be unfair to her. But it's your team. You're the governor. I expect you to have something to say about this. Um, and it, whatever you say is fine. We can agree or disagree with what you say, but you should say something. Well, David, uh, listen, I just want to let you know, uh, you are not 10th on the list or 15th <laughs> on the list, uh, on the call list. We will always, no, we'll always welcome you here. Uh, thanks for taking some time, brother. Man, let me okay. just, let me just oh, say oh. this. Yeah, I am. I'm so happy to see you and Michael on this show. I just, it really makes me happy to see you guys holding this well, up. Well, it means a lot. Well, well, thank you for saying that. How about this? You said to see to see Michael, uh, this just in, uh, old school yeah. Walter Cronkite, uh, Michael hey, Smith man. is here. He's back. <laughs> hey, DA, listen, uh, thank you for the time. Um, sure. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for that. I, I was able to listen to most of the second half of y'all conversation. I didn't want to come <laughs> in and interrupt y'all flow. My audio dropped again. But man, thank you so much. Uh, exact. Michael spoke for both of us. Trust me, we're just trying to get our act together before we had the legend David Aldridge on oh, no, the show. You're all good. Uh, for all we good. were ready for you. So <laughs> thank you, brother. We appreciate you so much. Yeah, thank absolutely. You we had to, through, man. We had to get our good. And I'll be able to join y'all. David, mm -hmm. 
Yes. David, we had to get our uh, we had to get our good furniture in. You know, <laughs> get everything right. You know, we had to get your room we ready. Have you on <laughs> Only for my audio to go out. Only for my, I, could, I couldn't hear anything for the longest. I couldn't do it, but Michael held it down. So uh, let's do it again soon, DA. We'll anytime, you, anytime, you, fellas. Bro. I'm appreciative, and anytime you want to have me on, I'll be happy to come on. Uh, All right, let's do it you, again. Brother. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Along with everybody else in the organization, we're aware of and understand the concerns that have been expressed by people um, regarding some serious allegations Chauncey faced in 1997. We took the allegations very seriously and we treated them with the gravity that they deserved. We not only conducted our traditional background check after offering him the position, we also commissioned an independent investigation into the incident in question in 1997. The findings of that incident corroborated Chauncey's recollection of the events that nothing non-consensual happened. We stand by Chauncey, everyone in the organization, and believe he's the right choice to be our head coach and the right choice to be the kind of ambassador in the Portland community everybody here has become accustomed to. As we continue to unpack the Portland Trail Blazers hiring Chauncey Billups yesterday's disastrous press conference. I mentioned earlier how Michael Holly was covering the Celtics back in 1997 when this alleged incident ha incident happened. This is the Boston Globe reunion here people. Okay, all three of us my, myself Michael Holly and Chris Maddox from Sports Illustrated all roamed the halls of the Boston Globe and in Chris Maddox's case TD Garden. Uh, so this is somebody who was also uh, you know, front and center uh, for uh, the Chauncey Billups, Ron Mercer uh, sexual assault accusation. So, Chris, first of all, great to see you, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what was your reaction to yesterday's press conference? What has been the reaction around the league as you've uh, been in touch with your sources around the NBA today to what transpired yesterday in Portland? Yeah, I, I think if there was one absolute wrong way to handle this situation for the first time Portland did it to give one statement at the very beginning and then to reject what was a perfectly reasonable follow-up question there was no gotcha question I believe it was Jason Quick from the athletic that asked that question to reject out of hand that follow-up question was just awful and as you guys have I'm sure discussed guaranteed that this story would receive negative coverage immediately afterwards and would continue to stay in the news for the days and weeks to come. And that's largely been the reaction from the half dozen or so people I would say I've talked to about it over the last 24 hours. Like, I, I usually, you know, phrase these questions to, to executives I talk to, like, am I missing something? Was that not the worst possible way 
you could handle it. And every one of the people I talked to agreed. You know, Chauncey, Chauncey's not new at speaking to the media. I mean, he did it for you know, almost two decades, really. So <laughs> Chauncey can handle, he's good <laughs> at it. He can handle these questions. And look, all you have to do, guys, is keep pivoting back to what you want to say. You may not give the media the answers you're looking for, but at least you address the question. Let him do a talk till you drop type of press conference on this subject, and then you move forward. Then you can justifiably say, we've addressed that. Now, yes. I really can't say that. Let him show those leadership and communication skills that made you want to hire him in the first place. Uh, before we get to the playoffs, before we get back on the court, uh, do want to get uh, talk about a couple of quick tangents uh, or connected issues off of the Chauncey Billups hire who wasn't hired. Uh, there were some reports that uh, and, and Neil O'Shea spoke glowingly of Becky Hammond in the press conference. So that was on the record, but there was some off the record reports uh, that Becky Hammond didn't get glowing reviews out of San Antonio, even though there were some other reports that Jody Allen was very high on Becky Hammond throughout the process. And she was a finalist for the job going where no uh, woman candidate had gone before. What are you hearing about how close she came to getting a job and just about the strength of her candidacy in general, Becky Hammond, that is. You know, look, I think Becky Hammond for the Blazers job and for other jobs she's interviewed with before. I believe Milwaukee was one of them or there was a couple of jobs in years past who's interviewed uh, for before. Um, I think she's a strong candidate. I mean, I think there was serious consideration. I think from what I've been able to gather from the Blazers is that they're in a position with Damian Lillard where they can't really afford to... I don't want to call Becky Hammond a roll of the dice, but it would be a groundbreaking hire. It would be something uh, that would be something of a risk to bring in the first woman to be an NBA head coach and to do it at a time when you are kind of at a potential breaking point with Damian Lillard. I, I just don't think the Blazers, Deal O'Shea in particular, were willing to go down that route. I do think Becky Hammond will eventually get a job. I'd be curious to see if Orlando uh, picks up any interest in her in the coming weeks. Uh, but uh, this situation, even though she advanced, I, I don't believe uh, she was ever the yeah. first choice for Neil O'Shea. And you led me right to where I wanted to go before I pass it to Michael to talk to you about, the, you know, the latest with Giannis or what have you before we let you go is so Damian Lillard's future, present and future with the team. You laid out why it made sense to go with Billups. Should the speculation be put to rest? How much should we believe that, that you know, he may, because of the backlash, because of his mistrust of, of, the, of the front office, may want to change the scenery at long last? What do you know about where his relationship stands? How solid ground uh, of a ground his relationship is standing on in Portland? I don't think it's on very solid ground at all, even with the hire of Chauncey Billups. Uh, I, I've said this on my podcast that it's, I, I feel like, like Damian Lillard, is like the guy trying to break up with the girlfriend for the first time. Like, he doesn't quite know how to do it, but he wants to do it. And that's what Dame's been doing yeah. over the last, you know, month or so, whether it's cryptic Instagram posts or somewhat bizarrely interjecting himself into the coaching search by declaring who he wanted to be the head coach, effectively boxing the Blazers in if they don't hire him and give Lillard out and saying, well, I wanted this guy and you didn't hire him. So, look, I don't think there's any bad blood between Damian Lillard and the Blazers. I think Lillard, at 31 years old, just sees what we all see, that over the next few years, Portland is not going to be a championship contender. And as devoted 
as he has been in years past, Lillard sees a clock on the prime of his career. And I think he wants to play for a championship before his prime years are up. And I don't think he thinks he can do that in Portland. So I think this is his way of pressuring the Blazers to talk to him about making a move without actually coming out and saying, I want to trade. Now, you know what, Maddox? There may be two different answers on this. Maybe two different answers. Where do you think Dame Lillard would be a great fit? And where does he want to go? Well, you're going to work with Damian Lillard on trade. You're not going to dump him on Oklahoma City like or, or something like that. You're just not going to put your franchise player in that position, despite the fact that he's under contract through 2025. The two immediate top options that people have mentioned to me, one is Philadelphia, which can dangle Ben Simmons in a deal. Simmons also under contract through 2025. And even though, guys, he's taken a beating over the last couple of weeks, this is still a perennial all-star that if he ever fixes his shooting and at 24, I'm not ready to write him off, has an incredibly high ceiling. So that's the first team. And the other one, Michael Holly, is Boston with the Celtics. And I look at the Celtics as being in the similar position as Philadelphia because they've got Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown, at 24 years old as well, an all-star, under contract for a few years, plus draft picks, plus young players, that at least gets you into the conversation if Portland decides they want to to up and make a deal. So those two teams right off the bat, because you can't, guys, trade Damian Lillard for a player like a Bradley Beal, say, who's in the last year of his contract, who's going to say, all right, thanks, Portland. I'm gone at the end of this deal. You've got to get a guy who's under contract for at least the next few years or, like Oklahoma City did, get a guy like Shea Gilgis-Alexander on a rookie contract that you know is going to sign a max deal. Who would like that hey, trade Chris, more, Portland uh, you, or Boston? Yeah, I mean, who'd like that trade more? I mean, I don't know. I, like, it's just hard. It, it's hard. Like, I mean, this would be Neil O'Shea's greatest challenge to pull off a deal. You either have to get what Oklahoma City got, which is every draft pick the Clippers have, plus their best young player, or the flip side of it is you get a James Harden type of deal where you deal a franchise player and, let's be honest, get virtually nothing back in return. Hey, man, we appreciate you so much. We know you got to run. You got to call. You got to jump on. Thanks for taking the time away from your amazing reporting from Sports Illustrated. Uh, let's do this again sometime real soon, okay? And let's be clear, Long guys. Like, to you, see you. You, you guys were like real globe workers back then. Mike, you were a columnist. Michael Smith, you were an intern there. <laughs> I was just answering phones on the Hawk desk. Like, let's be real. You guys had gravitas at that place. I had nothing. But you, but we always we knew all you were going to be the, the same door. And, and, and here we... <laughs> And, yeah. and, and look and look what's how it's played out. Okay, we always knew who the big guy was gonna be. Appreciate you, Maddox. Thank <laughs> you, brother. Right. You got it. Hey, hey, we walked in the All same right. door and exited onto that same parking deck, that weird parking deck on the third floor, whatever it was. So, hey, <laughs> it's all the same. All right, man. Thank you so much. Um, housekeeping. A couple of yeah. things before we go. Um, I got the Clippers tonight. Yeah, uh, I feel like they're at home and playing with house money. I feel like they've heard all the jokes. They've heard all the slander. Uh, the pressure is not on them, despite the championship expectations they came into this season, this postseason with. Pressure's all on the young sons. Clippers have already experienced defeat. They've been in the bottom. Paul George's been in the bottom. I expect another big game from him. I think they win tonight. Uh, and I got no bro, jokes. For you know, you totally missed... I got no great. I was, I was just gonna say totally real quick. 
Uh-huh. No, no, I was going to say, I got no jokes yep, for the Clippers. I just think they're, they're, the Suns are better. So I got the Suns tonight. They go to the NBA Finals. Okay. You totally misquoted me to the legend David Aldridge. You know that, right? I was I, I was like, that's not what I said. <laughs> I did not say Nate McMillan should lead the Hawks. I said he got leverage. I said I said I wouldn't agree to a contract until we're done. That's did what I, I say was leave? saying. I wouldn't I wouldn't go. I said yeah. Michael Smith said he should leave. <laughs> yeah, I was like no 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 no. That's my bad. I was like I, I, in my head. I was like no 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 just. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That's how rumors In get my head, no, I like, said, no, I'm not crazy. Michael Smith. That's the game. Michael for him. Smith said he shouldn't sign a contract right now. That's what I thought in my head. But that's what I, what I said yeah. was, yeah, yeah, Michael no, that's Smith what I said. Yeah, said he should leave because oh, with every I mean. win, his price tag goes okay. up. And speaking of which, so I didn't get a chance to, to talk to you about this. So now that Giannis, there's no structural damage, which on one extreme is that's the good news. But we don't know when he's going to be available again, and if he is available, what version of Giannis uh, is going to return from Milwaukee? How does he's doubtful for Game Five? Shams just tweeted this a moment ago. He's doubtful for Game Five, and we know how pivotal yeah. Magic. We know how pivotal Game Five is when it's two-two in the best of seven series. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I'm I'm ready to fix my mouth. I said earlier I can't call it. I'm ready to fix my mouth and say the Atlanta Hawks are going to the NBA Finals because I honestly. I like their depth and they displayed it last night. And if you look at really the last this series so far, it's 2-2. And I wouldn't say that any team has made it obvious that they're the better team. But we saw what they did in game one, and that was with Trey Young going crazy. Game two, Milwaukee just shot just a ridiculous at a ridiculous clip. Atlanta was in control of game three for quite a bit before Middleton went supernova. Yeah. And then last night, right. the rest of the Hawks showed up and moved the ball in a way Dominated. in a better way than they and they shared the ball that they weren't doing with Trey sure. Young. I got to say man, I like Atlanta to win two of the next three. I like Atlanta to win two of the next three. Even with Milwaukee holding home court, I'm going with Nate McMillan and the Hawks to take Atlanta to the finals. And for Lemon Pepper Lou Will to be reunited with the Clippers right. in the finals. Clippers Hawks, Lou Will is the is the face of this NBA finals. Magic City is in the building. I mean, what a, is there a better story than, than Lou Williams right now going from getting being a part of the dysfunction last last year with the Clippers getting traded to Atlanta starting for the first time balling out in place of Trey Young. That's the finals. Listen, I, I think I think Milwaukee will win, but I won't be mad if Atlanta does. I'm happy. This is good for the league. See you tomorrow, bro. All right, bro. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.